That was a fitting song after that introduction to why we give. Open up the floodgates. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. We want to experience you. <clears throat> Boy, I tell you, the name of this message, I don't do a lot of names, but I'm going to, this one has one. It's, it's a transition. <clears throat> and I'm going to probably jump ahead of myself, but I really feel like I'm supposed to. Transition. What does transition mean? Transition. The process or a special or a period of change from one state or condition to another. Some more synonymous with that is change, move, passage, like from there to there, transition, a passage, transformation, con- conversion, adaption, adaptation, and metamorphosis. Every one of us in this room, you may not even know it, but you're in the process of transition. You may not even know it, but you are in the process of a transition. I thought about, I met with some people this week here at the church and, and uh, I'm replaying things over my mind many times over. How did this come to be? How did this come to be? I'll start with Zach. Now, he doesn't, he, he's not going to have you come up because he's new, but, but I know, calm down. How did you get here? How did you come here? I don't want to ask you, but do you think? What steps of what person in your life began to sow things into your life that led him down to, to Bloomfield from Bell City? Man, I think a lot of people. I think my wife and I, when, when God spoke to us to come to Missouri, not the pastor, just to come back, I guess you call it home or whatever you want to call it, but just to come back. I, I never knew the, the implications and the, and the details of all the, the, the intricate parts of all these people in this place and, and why you're here. There was something specifically, I even think back when we first came here, and, and I've said this before, but I'm going to probably say a lot of things I've said before. We moved back the day before school started. We moved here the day before school started. <clears throat> we moved into a three-bedroom, two-bedroom, two-bedroom trailer. Yes, we did. It's two bedrooms. My wife and three kids. <clears throat> it was great. We had a futon bed in there. It wasn't put up yet. There was nothing in the house put up. It was all in boxes and stuff out in the building. It was terrible. It was a disaster. And they started school when we woke up that morning. We camped out in the living room. <clears throat> all five of us sleeping. In the floor, and got him somehow. Got ready. She managed it all. She managed to get him ready and go to school. I never forget. I came home that day, and when the kids got home, they just got home. I guess they rode the bus. I can't remember that, but I remember I snotty those little little guys about twelve years old too. He's he's kind of a he was just kind of an annoying neighbor kid, you know. And uh, not really. But this guy comes walking up, chewing his gum. He comes riding up on his bicycle, going, whoops it around. He goes, Tyson. And it was Preston flipping. <laughs> I am serious. Why, all these years later, is Preston in this place? Why? It's a transition. It's a transition of how we used to be to where, we, where we're going. And if we don't see ourselves as important to other people and to and every part of this church, you're going to miss out on the transition. 
You'll come in and you'll stay and you'll leave just like you've always been. And I thought about from that, go to church over Dexter and get involved and meet Ron McCain, his wife, and their daughter Heather was the first person that greeted us and, and that had happened. And do you understand the transition? It, it comes from different ways and it comes in, in different people. And then uh, we, go the, we start working with the youth a few minutes later, begrudgingly. You know, y'all are gonna get a, a feeling that I'm begrudgingly a lot of things. I begrudgingly came to this church here in Bloomfield. I begrudgingly got involved with the young people at Dexter and and. I think I'm getting more understanding as I get older how hard-headed I am when it comes to doing things. But it's a transition. It's me getting ready and, and doing things through the years as God is preparing different avenues and different things in my life and different things in my life. One of the worst things that can happen is, is for you to not value yourself and you not see any, any role that you place in that transition. You think you're just stuck here. And man, when you feel like you're just stuck somewhere, you're just living here, you lose your purpose. You don't have your purpose in life. Anything can go. It's just a, a series of events brought this about. I don't believe for a second that a series of events just brought us together here this morning. I don't believe a, a, just a, a series of events is why I'm here. You're here for a reason. Whether you stay is up to you. But I believe that everybody in this room, and you know what, sometimes we get discouraged and we fall away a little or all the different things. Man, this transition, what's it like? Misty was in our, involved with youth with us when we were over there and we were there for about over two years and, and a pastor came and, and uh we went to the great city, great city of Bell City. He was from Bell City. Don't get offended when I say this, but it was the roughest two years. Well, not quite two years, but a year and a half or so of our life. We went up there, and it was a transition. In August, we resigned there. In August, Brother Clark resigned from this church, and everybody thought that I had planned it. I resigned before he did. Then he resigned. And people started saying, you going to go to Bloomfield? You going to Bloomfield? No. You go to Bloomfield? No. Wanted to go to White? You want to go to Bloomfield? I said, no. The transition was not that. I, I was expecting something different in a different avenue, in a different way, or, or just living a different life. But over the next four months, five months, it happened in November. We were attending there on Wednesday night because our kids like to go. There's a lot of kids there. And, they, and we took the kids and we go sit in the sanctuary and listen to Brother Hale. He's a, he's a dear man. And, and it became Wednesday night church. But something I found out in our life in this transitional period is that all these other, went to different places and just always felt out of, out of pocket, out of place. And finally the board, Brother Cooper and, um, Randy Zook and um, Tom and Jerry, or maybe not Randy, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. But these three guys went in there. I went and talked to them, and they were for us, and, and I was still reluctant. You know, sometimes our own reluctance is what keeps us from transitioning to something greater. And 
So we went. And I'm going to tell you this real quick. I'm going to hush about us. Never in my wildest imaginations did I think that I would see people come to the Lord as much as they did. And it isn't because of me. And sometimes we get, we get thinking because the results are not happening because I want them to do it, because how great I am. They're not happening. The results did not happen. Any of these results, none of these people, Preston even coming in on his bike, none of these results happened because of me. It really didn't. You know what it, you know what it was a result from? It's a result from just being willing. The right person in the right place. Not that you're any more extraordinary. I've heard different preachers say, I don't understand what's going on in Bloomfield. I don't see, I don't, I don't understand it. And I said, I don't either. I don't know. But there's a especially important in each of our lives that we are in the middle of a transition period and we let God do his work that he needs to do and not be afraid to step out and believe he is. Man, I, I said I could go through the whole service and just talk about different people, how we met, and, and you're involved, involved in church. And, and I've seen the process of, um, of changes and things in your life since you've been here. For us to, to really see God moving, I don't, I don't mean a bunch of just emotionalism. I don't mean that. A lot of churches get a bunch of hype, and I'm not much on hype. I mean, if things happen, fine, but I'm not much on coercion. I'm just not. But it takes so many of us. I think of Donnie Teresa, okay? They're from Dexter. I was thinking, how do they know us? They didn't know us. But Dakota and Dawson started coming to youth and just transitioned their life into be a part of this. But if you think it just coming here is just for you, you we got it mixed up. There's some little things. It may not be anything big, and maybe just being faithful, but being involved in some degree, it's what God wants to do in each of our lives. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. I ordained you, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. They said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And Lord said unto me, Say not that I am a child, but thou shalt go, go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I shall command thee, thou shalt speak, speak to me. I'm going to stop here for just a second. You know, years ago, the, the little church with the pink carpet, and many of you got to experience that. And it, it was. It was pink was a big thing back in the day. You know, I wore a pink shirt, and people say, you know, you're brave. You know, you're a man. You can wear a pink shirt. Well, we were a brave church. We were a brave church. We had mostly women, but we are a brave church. And so we had pink carpet. But the first time I went in there, we weren't pastoring. I hadn't tried out nothing. I just, I can't remember why, but... Um, 
I was trying to get a message to somebody or something. So I was drove by um, during the day. I drove by, and the door was open. There was a car there, so I knew somebody was in there. So I opened the door, and I walked in the church, and lo and behold, there's a lady up there. She's standing in the front, holding the hands of another lady, and they were agreeing in prayer about saying, Sister Cooper. She was holding hands with someone in prayer, and I don't remember what they was praying about, and I don't know if I waited around or left or what. But my first encounter, period, in this church was somebody praying. And it vividly, I remember so much because it was her, but it vividly stuck out of my head. I've never thought about this message. I never, I never thought of how important you are and I am. And every little bitty part of the church is essential. And maybe you don't value yourself there's great value in you. Great value. We get, we get, we're just like Jeremiah. We thought, well, we're, I'm just a kid. I'm just a nobody. I grew up from, I grew up from, look at my family, look what I grew up in. Or, or maybe you grew up in church or whatever. But you have this, this sort of thinking that isn't, isn't right from the beginning of your, I, if you could see my notes, I won't make a copy and give it to you, but I wrote down uh, Luke, who plays the guitar up here, and Lay Tyson and Layton, they're friends, and Jake back here, and, and, and Jake and Miranda, and, and Bobby Joyner, and, and uh, Donnie, and, and, well, just several other names. They're kind of small. I can't read them, but, but, but what extent, but what is the extent that God has went and you reach into each of our lives, and all of us have crossed paths, and we've, we've mingled it to a degree, and we've seen a lot of results. But it doesn't mean that our work is done. I think that a lot of us are, are, have been hesitant in our work, and a lot of things we think that other people are doing, when in all reality, it's the very, the very thing that maybe God is calling us to do. And I don't mean... Uh, Works. I don't mean give up your job and, and sell your kids and your wife and stuff. I mean just, you caught it, uh, just that there's something to do. And who is depending upon me? Who? You know, I, I'm sitting, I tr- I'm making a trail. I, I look at somebody's coming here and I watch how this one's coming here and, and that one's coming here and that one's coming here and they're all coming because of this person, because of the trail that they had left behind and what they stood for. And I thought about if all of us in our thinking could find value in ourselves, and that God can use us as a small child before you were born or conceived, that God knew you and he ordained you to be a prophet. Why not? We may not be a Jeremiah, but we are a person who speaks things into people's lives. And we should be instrumental. You know what? Talked about a lot of people and just referenced to them. I'll never forget Aaron Tilly down at uh, Sonic. Remember we used to have a Sonic? It was great, wasn't it? Well, when they had ice cream, it was great, but... uh, they never, every time you'd go down there, sometimes they'd have it, sometimes they wouldn't. And, but anyway, uh, sowing seed in Aaron's off. You see, Aaron was in Layton's class, and Aaron wasn't, I'm not dogging him, I'm, I'm serious. 
Aaron was not in the same path of, of our family. He's not, he's not, he didn't grab it all. But something began to happen down there at Sonic. I could go get ice cream and I'd hope I'd always, I believe I, even, I used to call to make sure he was there. But my wife and I would go down there and he would just sit and we would begin to talk. Not about Jesus, but about moral issues and about life. I would have never dreamed five years ago that was going to have an impact upon Aaron being in this church. See, the thing is this. It's his responsibility now that he's here to everything, do everything he's supposed to do and his influence, whoever he can, in his circle. Then in 20 years from now, it's amazing how many more families will come. Transition. Go to Acts chapter 9. You mean I feel like you're in a position to... to do anything in anybody's life or have any kind of influence. You know, y'all heard, heard this before, but I'm going to just briefly mention it. Um, years ago, when we was at still at the Pink Carpet Church, uh, Brother Cooper made it uh, available to me if I wanted to go to, to go up to New York. And, you know... I did. I thought, shoot, man, I'll go up to New York City and, and work with those kids. I was scared a lot of the time, places I'd walk and things, but uh, I found it real quick that I was never called to New York. I really wasn't. But I got the experience of things I never could have experienced if Brother Cooper had not volunteered me. Go to Acts chapter 9. We have a, have a situation with Paul and Saul rose. This is after he had an earthquake and he knocked off his donkey. He was blinded. And this is verse 8 when Paul or Saul arose from the earth. When his eyes were opened, he saw no man. They led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And after, he was there three days without sight and neither did eat nor drink. If we, if we could value something that we say, we could value our behavior, this, this should be something that you can relate to. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And he said, and, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, behold, I am here, Lord, and the Lord said, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire at the house of, of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish. Behold, he prayeth. He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. That sounds so incredible. That God would speak to Paul that he's going to be expecting somebody named Ananias to come. And then a guy named Ananias, he said, speaking to him, and, and well, that's cool, Lord, I'll go pray for him right now. But he instantly, when he heard who it was, fear gripped his heart. He didn't want to pray for him. He did not want to go pray for him. Because Saul was the one, he was the chief enemy of all the New Testament church. And, and they were all hiding from him. They didn't want to be caught by him because he was going to have them tarred and feathered. 
Next verse. No, verse 13. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints in Jerusalem. For there he hath authority and from the chief priests and to bind all that call on the name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bless my name before the Gentiles and the kings and of Israel. What would have happened if Ananias refused to go? The significance of, listen, the significance of one person, one person walking in obedience, one person being open. If it's a vision or the Lord speaks to him or uses scripture to speak or however he speaks. But how, how important was it that Ananias was praying and he listened that day and, and they said, Lord, I don't want to. He scares me. I've got a wife and kids. What if they're all killed? The importance of one person. And I thought about this chain of reaction of have one person led another to another in this church. How important is that? That God sees things come about because of you. And many times we underestimate our power. And that, that, I don't mean some magical power, but the power of influence. What if Ananias? What if? What if I didn't go to Bloomfield? What if we never went to Bloomfield? God raised up another, but I, got, I never got to experience it. You know, well, I've told you this too, just bear with me. I'm, I'm kind of freelancing this morning, but when I went to college at university, Eastern Kentucky University for a year, and I wasn't gonna go back to school. I was gonna take my dad's business, and I was gonna thrive, and I was gonna be happy, and everything was gonna be great. Until the Lord got involved and he started, uh, Holy Spirit started quickening my heart about this, this talk with your hands and, and sign language. And, and I didn't understand that. I, I didn't want to go back to school. But I said, Lord, what are you trying to say? And it led me back to the school and I went to school at CBC. But before I went there, before I went, I had about four months before I was supposed to show up. And every time I got serious and I, I began to think about it too much, I'd ask the Lord for a sign. And, and the lo and behold, the next day he would, he would provide a sign. And there'd be deaf people wherever I went. There'd be silent and talking to each other. And, and it was in December, it was right before I went. It's less than a month ago. I was supposed to go. And I said, Lord, man, I really need to know. I mean, I, you, you showed me two other times. But I really need to know for sure that's, oh, go to, I, I was 11 hours away and, so let me know in the morning, as soon as I get to work, so I have no doubt. And so the next morning, I'm driving, I remember driving by the way station, driving down the interstate. I thought about my prayer. I got off the exit, went down to the station, turned right to go into the station, the parts or whatever. And I pulled up and I looked up, and right in front of my car where I park, there was a Coke machine, and there was two guys signing to each other talking. I couldn't say. I couldn't, I couldn't ask him for any more because he always, he always proved himself. But what if I didn't listen? Because I have a problem with listening. I have a problem with obedience sometimes. And, but if I hadn't listened, I never would have went. Now let's bring it to your life and, and your realm this morning. How important are you? What kind of role do you have in other people's lives? Are you the Ananias that somebody's looking for? Are you the Ananias that's going to make the difference? 
But it doesn't take just an Ananias. Sometimes we need a little bit more. And Ananias to maybe get our attention. And he said that when he prayed for him and the scales fell off his eyes, then he could see. And you, you can read the, the chapter yourself and see all the things the Lord began to do in his life. But, but go a little farther down. Go to verse 20. Uh, verse 26. And Saul was coming to Jerusalem. I don't know what that word he essayed to join, he decided to join himself to disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Afraid. He needed some encouragement. He knew what he'd done in his past. He knew the reputation he had. He knew what he'd done to some of their family members. Do you remember what happened to Stephen? He was there. He was condoning it. He was justifying it. It was okay to stone him to death. And that was a gruesome act that took place at those times. So here we come to a guy that God began to speak to. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Declared, him to, declared how he had seen the Lord... seen the Lord in the way that he had spoken to him and he had preached boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with the, he was with him coming in and then going out. You know, put your stuff down. She, let's say she's a, this she's a guy if you can, and, and a bad reputation. He used to go around burning churches and burning the people in them and locking the doors and burning them. And he, was, he had a horrible life. And he wanted to preach because he had met Jesus. See, Christ, every bit of us, every one of us, the common denominator, the common thing, the, the, common, the common treasure that changed every one of our life. If we've changed it, if we, if we walk into that newness of life, it's been Christ. And so everybody rejected him, and I said, guys, I want to bring him to you. And Barnabas was known to be a wise man. He was a, maybe a little older and, and just a kind-hearted person. But I want to bring him and present him to you. I've been with him. He was against the church. I know he was, but he had an experience. But, but I've heard he preach. And he was telling the, the significant things about Christ that only a believer can know who had an experience and had talked to him. And, you need to join him. I joined him. Because of the first man's obedience, there was hope. Because of the second man's obedience, there was acceptance. Something is so easy for us when we begin. I've been there. I know how you think, some of you. Well, I've tried it before. Let me tell you this I don't always feel saved. I don't. I don't always feel saved. People say things are probably a lot holier than I'm off. I always got a praise on my lips. Well, let me tell you, I don't always have a praise on my lips. 
Some of my, sometimes I have a grouch in my spirit, and I have a complaint in my heart. She always does that, doesn't she? Yeah, come on. That's right. My wife should be saying that, but yeah, you're right. I'm just kidding with this, Andrew. But I do. I follow Christ not because how great I am, but how great he is. How great he is. He has worked in my life, and I've seen him repeatedly do things and show me things. And many of us, we say, we, we never shows me anything. You never do anything to show me anything. Let me tell you something. I was eight years old when I got saved, and I was 19 when I was making these decisions. He kept showing me because I was so hard-headed. And not only was I hard-headed, I was hard to persuade. I wasn't persuaded easily, and, and so I accepted and and I began to follow and go where he led and do what he said. And I didn't always do right. And I haven't always been perfect. I've made a lot of horrible decisions, bad decisions, and everything else. But God has still had grace in my life. Still had grace. Man, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you put that on up here, Missy. Um, verse, oh, goodness, I guess about... Uh, let me look. 14, 15. Verse 9. If there was ever anybody that needed that word grace and knew that they were instrumental in the trickle-down effect, he knew that scripture in Jeremiah. I was anointed. From my birth you know me. You anointed my words. He had probably read his scripture a bunch of times, but he never do it from the life of a, of a believer. He'd always been a, a dogmatic person in the past. So this only makes example, it only makes sense that he would, could write something like this. And he said it to them, unto him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Those times when you feel, feel like you're a Christian, you don't feel like being at church, you, don't, you get sour, you get somebody hurts your feelings and all these things. I most gladly, therefore, rather my infirmities that the power of Christ arrest upon me. Not once, not once, did God kick me out or kick you out because of one thing of feeling inadequate transitions don't doubt don't listen to the wrong people in your life try not to get discouraged because God will bring people alongside you to help let me tell you it may take the first person you know the scripture says that some some waters some plants sows some waters, but God gives the increase. Okay, while we were pastoring here about, I don't know, probably a year, I remember, and Brother, Brother Cooper used to pour into my life a lot and, and share a lot of things. Not a lot, not the stories, it was spiritual things. I'm gonna tell a story. I don't think I've ever told this before. My wife and I have, but. Sometimes we need somebody we can trust just to come and give us a little hope or something. And the church is starting to grow and things, but, but 
Brother, come, come, Brother Cooper came, I was down to Parsons or a house hadn't sold out in the country and blah, blah, blah. And he said, uh, Pastor, I want to share this with you. I think just me and Wanda were in there. And he said, I was on my tractor today. You know, how many guys, how many has a tractor? How many believe God speak to you on a tractor? There's nothing quite like a tractor, just getting away and, okay, who cares? Okay. Uh, and he was there mowing his field or something, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him so vividly and began to speak to him, and, it, and, it's, and the Lord allowed, is like a vision with my father speaking to Brother Cooper. And I won't tell you what that was about, but the Lord spoke some things to him. He dropped what he did, dropped what he was. He came to our house in town. I was startled. He'd come to the door. I thought, am I in trouble? I'm kicking us out. What's going on? He began to share his heart with me. It was just a little story, little things that he shared. I needed somebody else to come alongside and get me all through. There are some people in your life that's starting to ask you questions dependent on you to get them through. Somebody else may have got the attention and got the skills off their eyes. You know what I'm saying? Get the skills off and they can see. But they need somebody who's willing to come put their arm around them. Somebody who can again begin to share a little bit of truth, a little bit of hope in their life. The transaction is some people will feed into your life, and some people will feed off your life. Go to the book of Esther if you have your Bible. I'm going to close probably with this. Esther chapter 4. Verse 4, verse 13. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not to thyself, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For thou art but if, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, there shall, there shall an enlargement and deliverance come, arise out of the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Who knoweth whether thou art come into the kingdom for such a time as this? In all the Bible... I can't think of a more fitting scripture. You know, in 20 years from now, a whole lot of us may not be here. And that's kind of morbid to think, but it's true. Of all ages, but especially my age, upward, won't be here. Some of you may make you afraid. Some of you just, Okay. But who's going to be here to carry on your spot if you don't do anything about it? 
Esther was there and for such a time as that, man, she was. And that was somebody who was feeding off her decision. She prepared this event. She listened. And wisdom, was, wisdom, wisdom came to her from someone else, her uncle. Verse 16 and 17. Go gather all the Jews that are present in the Shushan and fast for me and neither eat nor drink for three days and nights, night and day. I also and maids will fast likewise. So when I go into the king, he was according to his law, yet if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. The first one is, there was something speaking into her. <clears throat> but instantly she began to speak out. Wisdom came from her. You know the rest of the story. If you don't know, you can read Esther. Began to see people's lives change and God done a miracle in that. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back. Deuteronomy <coughs> chapter 7. I think I've been pretty long-winded today. Uh, it didn't really go as planned, but bear with me just for a couple of minutes. This is not a, me a message about salvation. This is a message, I believe, from God. That for such a time as this, you were placed here. You're born to who you were born to. What will you do with what God's called you to do? He's seen you before you were born. He's seen you when you were conceived. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest among all people. I in no way am saying that this church or anything about this church is any more important. I think this same message could be spoken in every church. If we'll have the understanding that we are a role and the role that we fill. Has long lasting results. See, I was once young, vibrant. I could jump off the back of a truck. I could jump off this platform. I could, I could do about anything physically. But little did I know that the decisions that I made and I established when I was young was going to follow me through when I got older. In this church, we have a lot of young couples, a lot of young people. If you'll just value your life a little more than the next guy and you'll value the other guy's life a little more than most people, you're a prime candidate for God to raise you up and do something special. I don't mean something you can look at me, look at me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking you can begin to sow into people's lives. 
Isn't that what it's all about? You see, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, And he shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of, trump of God, trump of the archangel. Those who are dead, raised it from the grave. And those who are alive shall be raised to meet those in the clouds and, and forever be with the Lord. I don't think it's just about life being better here. I do think about it being better, but I think about eternity. That's why we're here. This ain't funeral service. This ain't go rest high on a mountain. It's a reality that we have responsibility. And we can be the one that can change a lot of people's lives. There's not many of you that I don't have a story to tell about something you've done or something you've been in my life or my family's. We're going to sing. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're not going to come to the altar. But we need to make a public statement to ourselves about what's most important that we can be instrumental with Christ.